Good evening. Today is March 15th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholic, Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Into Action, Step 11, and our speaker tonight is Reggie O. Thank you, Reggie O. much. Uh, I, I really appreciate being invited here and particularly for, uh, for this 11th step. It's been, uh, that has been quite a process and journey for me since the time I was actually quite young before I ever came into program. And uh, before I go, you know, I know we're on step 11, salt through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand God. Um, but I, you, there are two things that stand out for me before I join in, and that is the first step, which is that I'm here because I'm powerless over compulsive overeating, and my life had become unmanageable and remains unmanageable when I eat compulsively. So I'm here. That's the very first step. And if I'm powerless, it says, you know, and we agnostics, that lack of power was our dilemma. And this entire book, the main object of this entire book is to find a power greater than ourselves, which will solve our problem. And um, and I remember the first time then <clears throat> later on in We Agnostics, I think it was my first favorite line in the big book for a long time. And it is uh, it's in the second paragraph on page 55. We found the great reality in, with a capital G and a capital R deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that God may be found. It was so with us. And that, so I still, that gives me chills still to read that today because I remember how I felt when I first read it. But I'm going to go back a little ways and I don't know how this is going to go. I find I can't prepare for these. I just have to pray, right? I really have to dive into the 11th step to do this. So, uh, uh, the first memory that I have of compulsive overeating, I was about four, and I didn't have this for a long time until I came into OA, which I came in in 1985, but um, I was sitting in the back seat of my mom and daddy's car. I think I was about maybe three or four years old, <clears throat> and they had, daddy was in the army, so they had gone to the commissary, and there was always a ton of milk and bread, and I don't remember what else. I just know that they always bought plenty of milk and bread. And the groceries were in the back seat. <clears throat> and I I don't know, I pulled out a loaf of bread. It was Wonder Bread, some wonderful fluffy white bread, you know, uh, back in those days, they didn't have what we have opportunities to have today. And milk, I think it was, it was either, I had, had probably a half gallon of milk. I don't know how I could have swigged a gallon of milk at that age, but it was, it was milk and bread. And I sat in the back seat and I, and I don't remember ever having done anything like this before, but I balled up the bread in my hands and started eating it and guzzled the milk and balled up bread and ate and guzzled and ate and guzzled. And, and that was all I remembered of that first time. And some, a few, I don't know how long, it, how long it was after that, but when I went back and revisited that experience after coming into OA, I realized that I was feeling totally anxious when I was eat, drinking that milk and eating that bread. And I thought, huh, but I, I don't think I was an anxious kid. So I felt I, it was almost like my sense that I was picking up the anxiety of my parents in the front seat. But that, and, and I used to feel that when we would go on family outings, I would feel that anxiety sometimes. So anyway, that's the, that is the first thing. And um, 
I didn't start gaining weight. Um, I think until I was like maybe, I think I was in the second grade when I started gaining weight. And I still blame my mother for cutting my hair and giving me a poodle permanent for starting to gain weight, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, I'm not, not really, but I did start gaining and I never got really obese, but I was, I did, I did grow and I did get large. But, you know, I was so, I did not have a sense of my body or a sense of size. And, uh, so I never saw myself as large and there would be other girls and, you know, elementary school or boys who were large and they would be called names, you know, fatty, fatty, two by four, etc. And I would think, how could they, they just treat people so badly, you know, they shouldn't be saying those things. But I was probably as large as some of those, you know, some of those people that, that, that they were calling those names and, you know, can continue on and, uh, and I just ate. I mean, I know I had the allergy at a very early age. I know it because of the way the bread, the first bread and milk felt going down. I, I remember it when I once daddy took me downtown to visit a friend of his or something. And I must have gone back to the soda machine six or seven times to get chocolate soda because they had chocolate soda in the soda machines at that time. And, and then, you know, I won't tell you too many food stories, but uh, and then the time I remember mom was cooking peanut butter cupcakes and she had them on the stove and they had just come out, you know, and soft and peanut butter and sugar and probably chocolate on top. And I took a bite and I can literally remember the feeling I had in my body when I took that bite of the, uh, you know, the, the cupcake. And I don't remember, but I'm sure I took more than that bite of that cupcake because there was a whole, you know, a stove full. But it went on, you know, and I was, uh, I, and, you know, I'm going to kind of weave God in and out of this. Um, my dad's family was Pentecostal, uh, the men, the, I mean, the women and the men drank. And then in mom's family, they were Methodists, but nobody went to church. And at that point, they, you couldn't dance. It was against the Methodist church to dance. Mom was a dancer, so she didn't go to church, but she was a Methodist, right? So, but they made sure I was in church every Sunday. And, um, and so they took me to church and I, you know, they, I, 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 I do believe that early on the conceptions that we have of God partially come, or at least for me, come from my parents, right? And, and I remember once when I was I don't know, four, five, six, we had this huge hurricane. We lived in a trailer at the time. There was just me and mom and dad. And we, uh, after the hurricane, we went out into the uh, uh, area of Fort Bragg. Daddy was in the army to just look at the damage. And there were all of these huge, um, I can't, uh, sycamore trees that it looked like they had been, honest to goodness, pulled out of the earth and laid over on their side one after another it was beautiful it was like a work of art and i thought to myself boy they really named this hurricane well completely serious it was hurricane hazel which was my mother's name right so it was like i i, I got it you know because she she was at a young age a rageaholic you know and uh, and she probably had good emotional reason to be so uh, but that that was what she was so when I was 11, going to the going to church, you know, being the representative of church in my family, so to speak, going to a Christ, Christian church, I went to First Presbyterian in Spring Lake, and uh, 
One day I remember, and I had a punishing God who used to be like Santa Claus, making a list, checking it twice. I literally had nightmares around God, you know, in Jesus. I can remember them, the devil with a pointed tail, the whole, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. And, um, and uh, one day I was in the backyard. I adored my father. One day I was in the backyard and I was pacing in figure eight circles. I never, I'll never forget it. I was 11 years old and I was just pacing. I had my hands behind my back and I was so concerned. It was this existential crisis and I had no idea what that was at the time. But I thought, I love my dad more than I love God. And I know it's a sin to love anything before you love uh, more than you love God. And I'll probably be punished. But how, how can you be punished for something that you can't help? Right. So that was my dilemma. And a year later, my father was gone, disappeared, considered drowned, never to be seen again after he and another man went off on a fishing trip. And in my subconscious, I, I saw that that was me, right? That was my punishment. I knew I was going to be punished for some, you know, loving something more than I love God. And, uh, and then, you know, this was deep south back in, oh gosh, what was like, don't remember the year, but it was many moons ago. And I was home from church one Sunday and I heard that a, a black family had tried to get in the door of my church and they wouldn't let them in. And I thought, how could that be? How could that be? I've been singing, I've been singing, you know, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. So God and me split ways right there, right then and there. And uh, that was that was kind of the last straw. And uh, let's see, I was an athlete. I, I participated in sports year round. I gained quite a bit of in high school. I started high, I lost a lot of weight when daddy left, disappeared. I later know what happened, which I'll share that later. But um, I, uh, I was an athlete from, you know, all day long, anytime I could get my hands on the ball or run or whatever I was doing it. And, um, and yet I started high, I started high school at 127. I left at 155. I started college at 155. Can you see that time? 15? Boy, boy, your, your clock goes really fast. No, <laughs> 10. And uh, um, so let's see, where was I? Thank you. Um, yeah, and then in college, I left college weighing 205 pounds, went to grad school the following year with my, in my passion, which was, inter which was athletics, and uh, uh, put myself on a diet and started running and I lost you know I lost all the way down to 138 I'm 5'9 and um, but that that was and then you know the food was just the food there was there was food and there was alcohol and there was food and there was alcohol and I don't know when I I remember when I I got a very good job when I got out of college when I was 23 I was a uh, an athletic director at this women's college in Boston and the athletes used to come visit me and they would bring their food from Huey's, the diner down the hall from my office, and they would bring their food in, you know, and drop half of it on a plate in the in the trash can before they would leave. And I would this, I, I would have my eye on the trash can while they were leaving. You know, I kept all of the snacks and everything in my office and I would eat those and have to replace them before we would have games and competitions. And uh, and, you know, I. I, yeah, just, I, what, I, one, one day I woke up, knew nothing about OA, and I thought, 
I could stop eating whenever I wanted to. I would fast for seven days or I would go on a new diet or I would become this or become that, you know, and then I would go off. I couldn't stay on it. Like, I think we all know that story probably. And, um, and uh, I started, I found Al-Anon and I started looking at how alcohol had affected my family, me, had affected me. And I remember one day I woke up and I think I even said it out loud. Oh my God, I'm an alcoholic with food. You know, I just, I got it. I'm an alcoholic with food. I didn't know what to do with it. I'd never heard of OA. And uh, even though it was available and within two weeks, you know, God does provide within two weeks. Um, I had two different friends that I hadn't seen in a while, both of whom had started OA and couldn't say enough about it, how it had changed their lives and was fabulous. I went to my first meeting and totally identified with a woman who had weighed about three or 400 pounds and she held up a big, a big a pair of uh, coveralls, which was the only thing she could wear. And it was this beautiful woman, perfect size in the front of the room sharing this story. And I was like blown away. Uh, so I've had quite a history when I walked into my first big meeting in OA, they started talking about God and him, and I just wanted to get the heck out. You know, I wanted to get the heck out of that room. The first, uh, the first time I studied the steps, it was in, um, <clears throat> uh, it was with an AWOL because we weren't doing step studies and meetings at that time back in Boston. And we got to step three and we would take every step and we got to step three. And I, I thought it came to me, you know, to say, yes, you know, I, I'm, will, I'm making the decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And I thought, I can't. I can't do that. I cannot say. I'm ter- I will no way turn my will and my life over to the care of God that I know. And I let it pass me. And I called my sponsor. And, uh, and we talked about it. And she, you know, did that. Okay, just write out an MO, you know, that, ba- that kind of basic thing. What would you have your God be? Uh, fast forward to some years later. I did that. Fast forward. I was, I left the field of intercollegiate athletics, didn't know what I was going to do next. I started getting a relationship with this power, right? I really started getting a relationship with this power, got some good recovery and was working the steps a lot. And one morning um, I woke up and the words came out of my mouth. Uh, I'm going to social work school and I'm going to Smith. And I knew it was God. I, I had no, no idea I would ever go to social work school, never knew a social worker. I judged them. I thought they dressed dressed frumpily, even though I never knew one. But I didn't hesitate. I didn't hesitate because I knew the voice was God's. And I was at that college the following year, and it was the best 27 months of my life. And that was God, you know. And then I got clinically trained and thought I should be able to figure all of this out, let the gift of the program, you know, keep me from the gift of the program, as I've heard before. And... um, and I had about, you know, I had bouts in and out of OA for a period of time. I, caught, I taught clinical practice with addictive disorders, totally passionate about my teaching. And I would be eating chocolate, you know, when the, when the, in between the, you know, the first half of the class and the second half of the class, I would always bring my stash, but I could passionately teach the big book because it was all here. It was here. I had a, I had a lot of head, not, you know, I had a lot of head knowledge and, um, uh, so, oh my goodness, I had a head injury in 1997. I, had, I was abstinent at that time and pretty recovered, even had led a couple of OA retreats at a Catholic retreat in New Hampshire, two minutes. And so 
So here's what I am going to close with. You know, it's I, it's back round again. I feel like right. I, I am so grateful right now because I have a relationship with God, the divine. And a very short time ago, I was talking to someone about, you know, that. And I said, we were just saying, what should, you know, what's God to you, this, that. And it came to me, my God loves me unconditionally, no matter what. And it doesn't matter what I do or who I am or what I don't do. My God loves me. And so that's how I see the you know, the God of my understanding, the higher power of my understanding today is unconditional love. And, 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 and when I look back over to the course of my life, I see that I have been taken care of from day one. I just didn't know it. I was always guided. Sometimes I would go astray, but I was always guided. And I thought, you know, I could do it. No, with all my clinical understanding, I never thought this was insane. I disagree with that today. I think this is, a, you know, there's a mental illness you don't do with food, the things that I've done with food and not have it be a problem. And nothing ever, nothing ever changed that except this program and working the steps and clearing out the channel so that I could get this relationship with this God of my understanding. So thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me share tonight. I appreciate it very much. Reggie, I'm so sorry. You have a couple of more minutes, like another three minutes. I I, I calculated the time wrong, so you got another. <laughs> I'm very sorry. All right, this is a PS, huh? Let's see. Um, uh, let's see. You know, one of the things I I mean I I've certainly been very self-centered in my life, no question about that, and and. Uh, and you know, it's kind of like coming to this meeting tonight, uh, or, or being asked to share on this meeting tonight. I did a tenth step. I, you know, I did a tenth step today before I came in. You know, hope I'm hope I'm going to show up well. Do this, do that. You know, but I think one of the, you know, one of the biggest changes, and it's continuing, is I really want to be of service. You know, and it's not so much to. I, I don't know if I'll ever get over wanting to look good, you know, completely a hundred, you know, percent, but, but it's now, I really want to be of service, you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't prepare for this. I trusted that God would guide me, you know, I trusted that I would say what needed to be said. And it just, it just took off the pressure, you know, it, it was God leading rather than me. And when I try to direct the show, watch out, you know, and when I give it over to the director, then I'm good. I, I get to play my part fully. And that's actually, um, you know, that's actually uh, quite a gift. And let me see if I can think of any, I mean, we, I mean, just, I will just bring, you know, attention to all of the prayers in step 11. You know, there's, you could pray throughout the day from morning until evening, you know, or going to bed with the step 11 prayers. And they are really, you know, quite, quite beautiful. I, I love what it says, you know, uh, just a little bit before, much has been already said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from God, who has all knowledge and power. If we've had carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of God's spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. And I, I have that, not all the time. 
but I have that gift of that vital sixth sense. It's, it's led me from California to Texas. It's led me to this place where I'm living today. And it's led me when I look back throughout the course of my life, I just didn't know what it was. But that's, you know, to have that kind of a relationship with something power that's in me all the time, you know, if I can't find anybody on the phone, right? I mean, I've got it right here. That's what, that's what the big book, that's what the big book tells us. And uh, I do practice two-way prayer with writing in the morning. I have a two-way prayer buddy and we, you know, we write and we share our writings and, uh, uh, and I just trust and rely a whole heck of a lot more. And that's sure a better way to go than that, you know, feeling like I had to run the show. So I don't know if I have any time left, but I'm going to stop there and, uh, and leave the rest of the time for questions if there is any. Thank you so much, Reggie. That was, that was amazing. I related a lot myself. Um, so we will uh, now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares, as this is a big book study sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Hi everyone, I'm Laura T, a compulsive overeater, and I'll be calling on you tonight to share. We'll start with Elizabeth G. Hi everybody, Elizabeth G here, compulsive overeater. Thank you, Reggie, so much. I um, I really resonated with a lot of that, a lot of that. Um, and my question for you is, if you could share a little bit more about how you go about two-way prayer, um, just a little bit more on that, I would really appreciate hearing. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. No. no I certainly. Um, back in back in 1990, when you know I had my first tight relationship with God, I was doing this three day retreat with a Course in Miracles teacher and another spiritual teacher from some other venue before I was going to grad school, and they gave us this exercise. And the exercise was to before you go to bed at night. I don't remember the question, but it was to write down some question on a piece of paper, and. Uh, and then whatever time you wake up, grab your pen, grab the paper and answer the question and just write. Don't think about it, just write. And I did that. <laughs> and what came out of my pen was unlike anything I had ever written in my entire life. It was like the pen just kind of took off by itself. And I, it was kind of like a, a friend of mine called it Reggie Rap. And I just, I wrote like that for two years in my journal. And I, you know, started writing like that to God. And I've written in my journal for dip for ages. And uh, and in, in October of 2018, that returned to me. And that's currently how I do my two-way prayer. I wake up, you know, I've I love writing when the sky is lighting, you know, it it inspires me. And I just take put my pen to the journal 
and and you know and just start writing you know I, i'll write about a start with the sky and let it take me to where it goes and and i know it's a back and forth even though someone else might not recognize it um between me and the divine thank you reggie and thanks elizabeth too um uh, next up is chani Hi, I'm Chini Kay, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much for sharing today, Reggie. I resonated with a lot of that as well. Um, I'm just wondering how you, as someone who was running a lot and working in athletics, um, how did recovering from this illness or dealing with this illness kind of impact you personally, um, maybe in your pride, and how did how did that kind of work in with your recovery? I'm just wondering because I'm a personal trainer and an athlete, and I find it's it's definitely damaging i guess to my pride um being someone who who works in the field of health and stuff and you know my job is to educate other people on these things but i struggle so much with this illness myself and with my own health um, uh, so yeah i'm just wondering if you could shed some light on that yeah well you know um i i just wasn't i was non-stop i was i i officiated three sports I competed even after I got out of college and, you know, in different teams around Boston area and, and I coached. So I was like moving all the time and I was a very active coach. Uh, there came a time and I can't remember when in, when it was, but it was definitely program related. I like knew how many, you know, how many calories every mile would burn off and how much I could eat extra. And, you know, all that was completely figured out for a period of time. Um, and, you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, you know, because I would, you can't run off as much as I sometimes ate. But um, when I, in a period of really good recovery, I knew that I had to let go of running. I, I, I started running long distance and I, I knew that I had to let go of running and to have the faith that the program alone would carry me, that I didn't have to control it with the running. And I did. I quit for a period. You know, I quit for some period of time. I don't re I don't recall how long, uh, but I and I didn't gain weight. And it, and, and it gave me that gave me the face in the program. Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, Amy, would you like to share Amy L? Hi, everyone. And hi, Reggie. Thank you so much. Um, wow. I am Amy, compulsive eater and exercise bulimic, living today in recovery one day at a time. And uh, I related to so many things you shared. Um, the um, one thing that really struck me when you talked about um, working in addiction, and that was me. I worked um, as in addiction, I'm, I'm also a social worker. <laughs> and um, I sat there, I was in full relapse and I sat there and I worked with people who were heroin addicts. And it was just, as you said, I had the knowledge. I had worked the 12 steps. I had, I, I understood and I had tremendous compassion, but I felt like such a fraud because you know, we, we can't give away something we don't have. And um, I think um, 
that whole transformation from the head to the body, to the heart, to the spirit is what it's all about. And um, I was thinking, and I'll just share quickly, I'm, I'm going through a, a difficult time within my family and something with my son. And it really kind of, it, it definitely rocked my sense of security. And, but what I, what I came to is when I do the 10th step and the 11th step, you know, with what I get from the 10th step, I get that turnaround. I get to see how what I think in my head, what I, and I believe the story about what I want and what I need and what I'm attached to. That's my head. That's where my disease lives. And I get to give that to God. And I got to ask God, how do you, what do you want me to be? And there's something about that, that asking and receiving, it cuts right to my heart. And I also feel though I was deeply agnostic, God always came to me in light and love. And I have like incredible moments in my life where I, you know, could not leave my house. I was so sick in my anorexia as a teenager and I was not leaving my house and a ray of light struck my bed and struck through my heart and I was able to go outside. And I remember the day I met my husband of 26 years, I felt love. So to me, that's all God. And I love that we get this way of over and over coming home to that it, it's yeah I'm so grateful thank you thank you thank you for sharing Amy Liz B thanks um Liz B compulsive overeater again um Reggie thank you so much this your story was so helpful for me because I relate in so many ways I'm I'm from Boston um I was a high school and college athlete. I also was a division one coach as well. Um, and hearing Smith was great because I was born in Northampton. So uh, <laughs> great to hear all of that. But I think, uh, you know, saying what, talking about what Amy L said as well, just kind of feeling like a little bit of a fraud because I'm a division one athletic coach. And at lunch, I'm eating this giant, burrito. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so ridiculous. And I'm telling them, you know, how to, you know, how to have proper nutrition. And, um, you know, I, I have all this wisdom to give on nutrition and, um, calories and all the, you know, all of that. And it's like, it's just exactly feeling like a fraud. I, I, I feel that. Um, but to, to also just kind of stay on topic of tonight, um, when I, I'm newer to the program and, you know, finding my higher power still, <laughs> um, and unconditional love. That's, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Cause I, I feel that as well. And, um, just, just quickly today, I, I, um, I tend to go out on my patio in the morning and just for about five minutes. And I feel like I connect a little bit that way. Um, and today, you know, I didn't hear a lot back or feel a lot. And then 
um, about 10 minutes later, I said, all right, I'm going to go inside. And I just felt like I'm here for you. That's it. That's all it was today. Mm-hmm. And, and unconditional love, like that's it totally. And sometimes it's just quiet and it's just, you know, having the faith to just remember it's there, even if it's quiet. So thank you so much. I appreciate this, the share tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Angela. There we go. Hey, everyone. I am Angela, gratefully recovered, compulsive reader and bulimic. Thank you so much, everybody doing service. Reggie, it was great hearing you. Um, really wonderful hearing this topic tonight, too. You, you spoke so eloquently about uh, you know, your history and your experience. Uh, I too uh, grew up with a God that was punishing and judgmental. And uh, I didn't know how I was going to do this coming into this program. You know, I knew that I was serious about um, being willing to do the work. Uh, I knew that certainly, like you said, like the whole purpose of this big book is for us to find our power. And uh, what a beautiful way it does it, you know. Um, I think one of the amazing gifts that we have, that I have in this program is to uh, be on this quest with all of you, you know, we're all trying to figure this out and we get to be real and talk about it and, um, and not have to, you know, like the phone calls that I have, the outreach that I have, it is so incredible to go right there. You know, we don't have to talk about the weather or things that don't matter. The conversations are so deep and so rich and often, um, you know, I hear exactly what I need to hear, you know, coming out of my own mouth or, you know, what someone else is needing or what they're needing to share. So um, I was able to um, share with someone some freestyle prayer tonight. And uh, what a beautiful thing, you know, to say a prayer with someone on the phone and to introduce people to this. Um, it was introduced to me by someone in OA and I share it with whoever I can share it with. And it is such a beautiful process. Without a doubt, there is something special that happens um, that allows for something different to step in and, and to move me, you know? So uh, I just, I, I love that we're all, you know, searching for the same thing. And I can hear everybody's different experience and know that I'm not alone. Uh, and that uh, this higher power uh, has always met my needs. You know, I always have had my needs met and things are working out amazingly well lately. And I think it really has to do with the fact that I'm, you know, connecting more, you know, I'm asking more, I'm, um, I'm pausing more. And that is not easy, you know, my busy mind, right? I'm just going, going, going. But when I, you know, literally still have my phone go off every two hours, that reminds me, you know, just check in, right? Just pause. Ask if I'm, if I'm really, you know, forcing my will or if I'm allowing God's will in. I'm That's huge. Great joy. Thank you so much. So thank you again, Reggie. Beautiful share. Appreciate you being here. 
We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the recording?